Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard, a Steelers podcast for Steeler Nation. And always joining me to my left, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil, and Happy New Year, baby. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm excited to uh, get to, to spend this time with you and the show that we put together throughout this year. It's definitely one of the, the highlights for me. One of the things I am grateful for, and um, obviously along with that, our loyal and trusted audience. Hello to all of you guys as well, and Happy New Year. I'd like to echo that, man. Thank you, everybody that's that, that's uh, joined us for this ride. You know, it's really hard once you leave a, a, a podcast platform to start your own again and reconnect with a lot of the listeners that you have in the past. But, you know, we're chugging along, man. I believe I took a look at the YouTube channel up to 500 subscribers. And so, you know, we're just, we're going to keep continuing to bring you uh really good content. And in fact, you know, actually now, Neil, it's pretty weird, man. I like the business season almost as much as the game, you know, <laughs> I mean, I it's guess that's that you kinda... say that I've, I've been asked that on three different uh, radio hits within the last week. And I, I'll say this. I'm sorry. I totally just cut you off. I'm half awake right now. Oh, no worries. Um, it, in all honesty, the reason I am doing this, and there actually is more than two or three people looking at it, the reason I have a, a career in this space is because of the off season, And that's the dirty secret that they don't tell you about. Far more people are interested in the NFL's off-season activities than they are in the season. I know that through uh, multiple networks, uh, running specific sites, running entire networks, content picks up in the off-season to a huge degree. People love free agency. They love the draft. They love the idea of how a, a roster is coming together. It's the game within the game. And I, I'm blessed enough to say I can make a living off of that. And it's simply because uh, so many people fail to recognize that. I remember there was a time, I'm not going to name a name, but there was a certain beat writer uh, covering the Steelers who took vacation at the start of free agency. And I, I was always just beside myself with that. Of like, <laughs> there's something. I mean, like, I want, it, it, if the story is the Steelers didn't sign anybody, then that's the story, you know? Talk about it. Let, let's get into it. it. It's not this way anymore. And I'm dating myself quite a bit. This probably goes back at minimum 15 years. Uh, in, there was a time in which this stuff wasn't really covered. They didn't really get in depth with it because the idea was, well, the Steelers don't sign anybody in free agency. Who cares? The stuff going on around the league affects every team to some degree and fans want to talk about it. So I, I was able to just make that into uh, you know, a passion project that turned into a job. And I, I am very thankful for people who shared the same kind of, of uh, enthusiasm that I did for, transactional news which is really where we are today yeah it's great because you know i'm of the age and i'm dating myself and before we hopped on uh neil and i were talking about uh cobra kai and the karate kid the cobra kai, <laughs> cobra kai never die cobra uh, kai never die that's, that's a youtube series right or uh, YouTube? it's on netflix now it netflix, was YouTube okay. when they started netflix acquired it and you know i'm sort of dating myself and we might as well jump into it because if you can see the background you see the image of Ben Roethlisberger holding up the peace sign and forever. And, you know, I was going to say I'm of the era and the title <laughs> of this show, of course, is, you know, will Ben, ben Roethlisberger essentially in the Steelers win their last home game against the Browns? We're going to jump into that. If you want to link to the show, it's on all podcast platforms. want to apologize because I didn't post the pod to like days later for some reason. But so that pod will be up. You'll probably get two podcasts, one from last week. 
And also, you can find the podcast on YouTube. Do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. I am of the era where there, when football season ended, you had no news. And I'm of the era where I actually went to see Karate Kid in the movies, which makes me pretty damn old. <laughs> With that being said, when I was going through Twitter, and you know, I, I don't want to offend anyone. You know, I, I'm an instigator on Twitter. That's just what I do. I mean, because I find I Twitter, that. you know, I find Twitter as a, you know, a, I, I really don't like Twitter. Let me just say that. So <laughs> because I don't like Twitter and because I have to be on Twitter, I antagonize people on Twitter because every minute I'm on it, I feel like my IQ is being reduced by a micro fraction. Like each you, second. You don't have to follow me, Lance. Just don't. No, you you are one of the few people that give <laughs> decent information. Everybody else is like true. I mean, everybody else is just it's just. I'm not gonna say everybody else, but there's a, lot there's of a other, bunch of it. You have a, a, a non-filtered, full access uh, yes, uh, community it, that only needs to put in a, a hashtag in order to weigh in on whatever it is. And so, yeah, most of it is just absolute garbage information. I'm reading this guy who's I I I forget his site. I don't know if he's an accredited reporter or whatever. <laughs> And he writes, look, there will be no unbiased reporting here. You know, ben Roethlisberger is the reason you have a terrible towel. Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> is the reason you like the Steelers. No ben bias involved. And, and so, you know, it made me take a step back and say, I'm 51 years old. I I, I, I had to check the dates, right? I had to check the dates. And right? I was like, okay, maybe. I've watched the Steelers. Ben was drafted, correct me if I'm wrong, 2004. 04. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, 2004, that would make me 34 years of age at the time. I'll say I started remembering football mid-70s, you know, second grade. I can remember the players. I was reading the almanac, whatever. And I was like, my fandom and love for the Steelers started – I'm going to guess 20 years prior to Ben Big Ben becoming a Steeler. And what I wanted to ask you, because you're younger than me, Neil, it feels like right now in modern Steeler football, I'm going to say 69 on, there are two, there's a line of demarcation somewhere. Is it just 2004 where a majority of Steeler Nation just remembers Ben and there's kind of like, you know, like, you know, like uh, BC and AD, there's like uh, BB <laughs> before B and AB, or excuse me, I don't want to call Ben AB, yeah, but, a, but, but AB after Ben, like when, when is that land of demarcation? Because for me, the way the, the quarterback that I, I, that I loved and was sorry that, the, that he was gone and the, kind of the emotion that. Twitter Steeler Nation is going through like change your profile picture and put Ben on there for Monday. That was Terry Bradshaw. Because I'm 51, I was born in 1970. My allegiance, you know, I, I was born off the, the curtain Steelers, that era of football. Oh. Like I got all Joe Green jerseys. I got Palomalu and Joe Green. I don't wear <laughs> offensive player jerseys because when I think of the Steelers, <laughs> I think of defense. Love I don't it. think of offense. I have one, I have one actually. One offensive jersey, and that's the bus because it represented the running game, and he was gritty and grimy. That's just kind of where I am because of my age. 
what is that line of demarcation and age to where the nation is kind of gravitating to, oh, my God, Ben is leaving, the world is ending, oh, my. I, I think really what you're going to hear is probably that there are three epochs. There's basically the Steel Curtain era, because let's be honest, whoever it is that's around that can really speak glowingly about the Steelers back in the 50s um, is really old and not going to be around for a whole lot longer. My apologies if that offends anybody. It's just true. The Steel Curtain era, which is what kind of started the foundation off. Then there's kind of the, the dark times in which nothing really happened for... Uh, 20 years, whatever it is, uh, basically that the 80s into kind of cowers time. Um, and then you have the Ben era, which is what I'm, I'm a product of the Ben era. I was born right after, I, I think I was four months old when they won their fourth Super Bowl and then didn't do anything until I was 26 years old. So yes. that period of time is what I grew up with. So I can absolutely mark uh, much of my fandom with Ben. But I really got into it with Blitzburg, which is the the mid early to mid '90s Steelers, Cowers Steelers, uh, right away. But it wasn't probably successful enough to say it's an epoch uh, in terms of yeah, yeah. It it wasn't big enough or successful enough to say um, this was you know something a a, a a fan base was built on. What we have really are two of them, and I would say the pre Ben belongs to the Steel Curtain generation, just simply because. It, it, it's the tail end of that really more than anything else. There is a segment of fans, and this is what we have to understand as, you know, continuing old people here, Lance, we have to understand there is a large segment of audience now watching the Steelers that don't know Steelers football without Ben. If we say yes. that the diehard fan starts when he's five years old, you're talking about it, it, somebody born in 1999, which would put him into their twenties today. They've only known Ben and yes, that's the, the age demographic that dominates social media. So you're going to hear nonsense like, you know, Ben is the only reason you're a fan and blah, 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 blah. There was a long time. We have to understand quarterbacks while valuable were not what they are right now. 15 years ago, eight, go back to Ben 18 years ago, Ben Roethlisberger was the 11th overall pick in the draft. He was a good quarterback. There's no doubt. Today, there is no way Ben Roethlisberger makes it past the top three in picks. There's no way. Okay. On top of that, Justin Herbert, who's barely human, in my opinion, is the seventh overall pick because he has a few flaws in, in his game. He is so much better than Ben was when Ben was a rookie. It's not even funny. And I'm not trying to insult him. I'm just saying Patrick Mahomes didn't exist back then. You didn't see Justin Herbert back then. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, these are insanely talented passers of, of the football. Ben was really good. I'm not at all denying that. Ben is nowhere near the prospect that those guys are today. And you're seeing more and more of them come into the league. So with that, it, what you're able to do as an offense increased tremendously in a very short amount of time, not to mention the rule changes, uh, everything that, that kind of, you know, was pushing this evolution of the game. So people saying it's Ben or die, it's Ben or everything, you know, Ben's the best of all times. Like, well, yeah, a lot of that is evolution. Um, if you watch Terry Bradshaw throw football, though, that man, he had a beautiful oh throwing goodness. motion. He was poetry. He really, and he had a cannon of an arm. I keep, He had a, a better arm than Ben did. They just didn't know what to do back then. So Bradshaw's stats, even comparatively, aren't very good. 
he just played big time, big time games. And that that's, you know, that's, that's a first ballot hall of famer to me. Yeah. Um, no issues with that, but the, the, this generation, and I, I hate to say this because I may as well be saying, get off my lawn, but this generation doesn't understand how much better quarterbacks are, how much more offense there is today versus even 15 years ago. If you go back and watch, I, I've said this a thousand times. Anybody that knows me well knows I bring this comparison up a lot. Go back and watch the 2008 season AFC championship games played in January 2009. Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. You watch that game and tell me that it resembles today's football because it absolutely does not. It is one of the most savage, horrific acts of organized sport you will ever see. They simply cannot play the game that way anymore. So all of this kind of sets up the idea that Ben was, Ben contributed to an evolution in the game that we're seeing today that he isn't a part of anymore. He played his role. Right. His time is right. up. We've said on the show a thousand times, he's not playing beyond this year. We've gone off on, on a thousand rants about it. He wasn't <laughs> yes. going to play. None of this is a surprise. He wasn't going to play. Everybody knew it. So um, it, it's great that it, it, it it's sad to me in a lot of ways, just because it, my fandom, you know, the, the, the insane fandom, like the point where I kind of lost track of what was important in life and went into football was with Ben at under center. But at the same time, I remember being extremely excited about Cordell Stewart when he improved to the point where right, he slash. was, you know, beyond a, 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 at mediocre at best quarterback. I was super excited for Tommy Maddox when he took over and all of a sudden we had downfield passing again. I grew up with Kent Graham, Mike Tomzak, Jim Miller, Jim Miller. Oh my God, Jim Miller, um, Bubby. That that was like the early days where all teams ran the ball sixty five percent of the time, and you threw every now and again. Good quarterbacks. I, I don't think outstanding quarterback re play really happened in the NFL until Marino. And if you didn't have Marino, you didn't do what the Dolphins were doing. You know, it took a while for everybody to kind of catch up to that. And with it, we didn't idolize quarterbacks the way that they are idolized now. They are the centerpiece of the league, of sports in general. So you put all those things together, you can see from a historical standpoint why Ben matters as much as he does. And I haven't even brought up the word Super Bowl. It has nothing yes, to do with that. Yes, yes. It's what came from the evolution of the game. We finally caught up uh, in terms of modern offense with Ben and many will argue with me that we never even really got to that point, but Ben threw the ball pro prolifically the last four seasons of his career. He had massive success. Uh, in three of those five years, things kind of went downhill as they do with old people. I know that very, very well. I get it. But overall Ben's contributions to this team have changed over a, a very long period of time and fans understandably younger ones, couldn't recognize football before Ben Roethlisberger. So to be honest, it, it makes perfect sense that a lot of them are saying, well, time to get on with it. You know, we got to find somebody else. You know, Ben's done. It's great. You know, he's a legend. Or the other side of it, which is nothing matters except for Ben. He's the only one who's ever mattered. It's like there's a middle ground here somewhere. You know, if you can't get Justin Herbert, you can't base your offense around a quarterback. It, it's just that simple. And you're not getting Justin Herbert drafting 15. So they're not going to do that. They're going to look to find another quarterback, and hopefully that quarterback is is you know grossly underdrafted, kind of the way Ben was back in the day. And the Steelers can can make a, a another strong run at it. The AFC looks 
horrendously difficult over the next five to seven years. And I'm not sure what Pittsburgh is going to do to counter that. But they're going to um, have to find a quarterback. Um, and, yep. and to your and, and to, to, to your... find one on the level of Burrow, of Herbert, Mahomes, um, it, it 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 on and on. It's unreal. Half yeah, the teams just... have these elite level players, and the Steelers just simply aren't going to get that. So I don't yeah, know. You just. Yeah, they're just going to have to get lucky. I mean, I think, and, and to, to put a lid on it, um, I think, you know, there was a time when, you know, Cower lost repeatedly in the AFC Championship when I just thought, look, the Steelers are never going to win another su- a Super Bowl with Cower, like ever. And then Ben Roethlisberger came. So, you know, the one thing I tried to say on Twitter is there always will be another. It's just how long will it take? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it took 25 years to get Ben Roethlisberger. And that's not to say that the Steelers can't play quality football in that time or may luck up and somehow win a Super Bowl with a have an MVP level quarterback to win championships, which, you you know, so it seems to work against teams more often than anything. Yeah, it's just that whole that salary cap number. But, you know, that that was, uh, you know, that was the error. And, you know, they're going to they're going to find another guy. Um, but you know, I can always remember back to Ben's rookie season. I think it was against Dallas, uh, when Ben threw the touchdown, uh, to beat Dallas late in the game. I remember getting a call from my dad and said, Oh, we got one. We got, we, we got one. We, we got our guy. And you know, my pops is a hardcore, you know, my pops is a hardcore Northside guy, you know, Manchester. I mean, you know, if you're from Manchester, you don't give kudos out easy to anybody. You know, you're just like, oh, okay, we'll see. And, you know, that's kind of where I get some of my uh, personality is from growing up in the north side. So, and when he called me like game five and was like, <laughs> Ben is the guy, he's like, we've got our guy for the next 15 years. Trust me. I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> but, but he was convinced. And, you know, Ben has taken the fan base on a wonderful ride that's included a couple of championships. You know, unfortunately, the Ben era coincided with the Tom Brady era or Tom Brady wasn't in the NFC or you possibly could have had more Super Bowls. And it's no coincidence that the Steelers won their Super Bowls when Tom Brady was injured just because Tom Brady was that good and the Patriots were that good. But that's no knock on Ben. Ben No, not at all. I I think that what what history is going to show, and this is something the Ben era of of Steelers fans and the the as you would describe them, the Northsiders who won't give credit to anybody for anything. What they really need to remember and what history is going to record is that Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are so far above and beyond history. It's just simply unfair to compare them to anybody. You you just can't. They stopped everybody. You know, they they didn't lose for 20 years, Uh, six championships spread out over a very long amount of time. Could have Um, easily been eight or nine. Yeah. And keep in mind how many Super Bowls they lost. You know, that in and of what what was it? Nine consecutive AFC AFC championships. championships. Nine. That's we can complain about Tomlin. We can complain about Cower. We can talk about you know, Ben, who doesn't get the same amount of criticism that those two do for whatever reason. We can go with that up and down. The only thing I ever say is this discussion, this argument starts and ends with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. If you're going to tell me that the Steelers were the only team, how many how many Super Bowls did Peyton Manning win because of Tom Brady? One. And it wasn't until it, it took a, a, a miracle and probably the most dominant 
playoff defensive performance we've seen since the steel curtain for the, the 2015 Broncos to beat the Patriots that year. I think that was in Denver. That was a, a legendary defense oh my from God. Denver. That's what it took for Manning to get his second Super Bowl. And yeah, that Manning was the is, Omaha without game. question, one of the, the two or three best quarterbacks ever to play. It's not even an argument. Yeah, that was the famous Omaha game. But let's switch reels, and we'll talk more about this because Ben actually has two games left. Um, he actually has a big game coming up this Monday against the Cleveland Browns where if the Steelers win that game, they will give themselves a much greater chance to go to the playoffs. If they lose, they are out. And before we jump into that, Neil, any news you want to jump into uh, regarding the game and the injury report? I have the injury report up here in front of me. Um, I know that Arthur Millette was added to it, but let me just give you the names from um, the Steelers' standpoint. I know Arthur Millette was added to it due to COVID, and you have Presley Harvin um, out for personal issues. Condolences to Presley Harvin and his family for the death of his father. Um, of course, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't practice during the week. He was a DNP. Buddy Johnson, I believe, is going to be out. I don't know if it was upgraded, but on here it was a DNP. Kendrick Green did not participate due to a calf. Firemuth was a full participant coming back from his concussion. And Chris Warmly did not practice due to a groin. So he was a DNP. I think that warmly one is very important, uh, particularly in this game, given how Cleveland wants to play offense. What's your thoughts on the I got really, for I got really bad news for you then, Lance. Um, okay, update Chris us. Warmly, Chris Warmly and Joe Schobert both were placed on the reserve COVID list, um, which uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't gotten my head around the exact rules uh, that they have recently changed to put in place, but it does not sound as if either of those players uh, would be available, or at the very least, they're going to miss practice time. So I'm surprised they're not allowed to play. I'm surprised they're not allowed to play. I, it's the NFL to put the scarlet C so on their helmet. That, that's the thing. To get to the point where they're put on the list now means it's like double, you know, 100% assurance that they have COVID and they're not coming off. Um, not getting on the list at all, which would mean stuff that we don't know about. Um, is going to happen now at a much higher frequency than it was. They, they're they only testing under certain conditions now. So uh, for Schobert and Wormley to both be on the list probably means it's going to take a bit for them to get off. And I, it wouldn't seem likely to me that they're going to be out there. So um, maybe people in the audience can help us out. Who the hell is going to play on the Steelers defensive line this week? I don't know, but you don't even have a Wormley. You don't even have Wormley. And on top of that, Daniel Archibong, uh, who was placed in the practice squad COVID list, so you don't even have a Daniel Archibong. And to be honest with you, he hadn't played in the last month or so anyway. So I'm not sure that that matters, but they don't have anybody, Lance. And you, you, we've, we've talked incessantly over the last month of how bad the middle of their front seven is playing. To lose two guys in that, in that area uh, for this game against a, a good running team, Cleveland's not going to have to do much. Um, you, you can only hope that even though they have um, they, they showed last week throwing the ball was, was more a priority to them than running it for some reason. I don't know why. They have absolutely no reason to not load up on the ground and well, let's just not, well, let's, suck let's the not, air out of the ball. Well, let's hold that until our breakdown. Let me give you the Cleveland list. Um, it's, you know, Baker's back, full participant, Sloan Takaki, Jarvis Landry, Andy Djokovic, Ronnie Harrison Jr. were all full participants. J.C. Treader was limited, Greg Newsom was limited out with a concussion. Miles Garrett, groin limited. Um, JOK, Jeremiah Owusu, Karoma, 
did not participate due to illness. I don't know if that's COVID or not. Um, John Johnson, the third hamstring did not participate. Malik Jackson, Kareem Hunt, both did not participate with the knee and the ankle respectively. And Troy Hill with a knee did not participate of that list. Um, you might have the updated list because this was from two days ago in front of you. Um, did Kareem Hunt's or Malik Jackson's or JOK status change in Miles Garrett? Uh, I don't know. They, they wouldn't have had to release an injury report beyond uh, Thursday. And if they're probably practicing now, it, that'll be released a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, they're playing Monday. So their, their practice schedule when they have to report right. injuries is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So uh, we'll, we'll find out more on, on that uh, probably as the, the day unfolds here. But um, it I, doesn't matter unless you put most of their starters on the list. I, I think um, whatever the Steelers have left at this point uh, is not playing. So uh, they're, they're, in, they're in trouble. It's going to be going to be not good. You know, transitioning into the breakdown of this game, I'm going to get into Melvin's point and big up to Melvin, big up to everybody on the live chat. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe to the program. The, the last show on YouTube did very well, so I want to thank everybody out there who listened to our last show. Uh, I never know if we're going to do really good numbers when we go into criticism stealer mode. It's just, you know, it's just interesting how that works. And Mel basically broke it down. Keith Butler, defensive coordinator to Pittsburgh Steelers, said if he was Cleveland, he would run on us. You know, I think that kind of breaks it down. And let me just give you two basic yeah. stats. Cleveland is averaging number one in the National Football League, 5.1 yards per carry. They're tied with Indianapolis and Philadelphia, who are all averaging 5.1 yards per carry. Here's the interesting thing about that stat, because you hear a lot of stuff saying that the running game is gone. There are 10 teams in the National Football League averaging at least 4.5 yards per carry or more, which is pretty impressive given the narrative that the media would like to tell you about football. And when you're averaging 5.1 yards per carry, you're going up against a defense in the Steelers that's last in the National Football League who's giving up 4.8 yards per carry. Another interesting team on this list, two interesting teams as well that are very good teams that are the number one seeds in football are the Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packers, just as an aside. Kansas City's giving up 4.7 yards per carry and Green Bay 4.8. So that tells you that at least defensively, uh, teams, you can still be a very good team if you prioritize eliminating big plays in the passing game uh, and you score points that you not necessarily are going to get beat by the running game. Um, but we always talk about on this show, it doesn't always necessarily line up that if a defense doesn't do something well, that a team can take advantage of that. You know, teams are going to play to their strength. If you're a good passing team, you're going to pass the ball. You're going to figure out how to make that work. You're not necessarily going to switch from a Honda to a Maserati or a Maserati to a Honda and try to become this running team in a week. If you can't do it, you don't do it. And so, but this is one of those bad matchups where Cleveland runs the ball well and the Steelers do not run the ball, stop, excuse me, stop the run very well. In the first matchup, Cleveland only ran it 23 times for 96 yards. So Neil's point, and to Keith Butler's point, and giving the injuries of the Steelers, you're going to see that number increase. They are going to absolutely run it more than 23 times. 
And it was an interesting game plan in the first game because it was still very much a close game. And this is when Baker Mayfield's shoulder had new, was newly injured. And they still only ran it 16 times with Nick Chubb. You're going to get a healthy diet of Nick Chubb in this game. What's your thoughts, Neil? I would be giving it to Chubb left, right, and center for the three quarters of the game that you'd need him to do that. The fourth quarter is going to be a, a comfortable lead against a team that uh, can't score points anymore. Um, certainly not when they're probably staked with a four touchdown lead because they can't stop the run. I mean, it, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, Keith Butler said it the best. If I was the Brown, I Browns, I'd run on us. I mean, that that's it. The Steelers problems are not schematic alone. So I'm sure everyone's ripping on Butler. Well, you need to figure it out. Butler's not on the field. You know, there comes a point you're getting whipped hat on hat the way the Steelers are. That, that's your players. That's not what you're asking them to do. You're asking them at a general level to be in a gap to stop a guy that's coming through it. And they can't do that. So I, I, I'm not sure what else you need. But it, as far as the Steelers go in, in their their defense going into this game, it got worse. Believe it or not, it gets worse. If Chris Wormley and Joe Schober aren't on the field, when you're worsened because of that, you're in real trouble anyway. And then whoever it is that's going to replace him, some combination of, um, I, I don't know. I don't I don't remember what linemen are left. Um, but it, you've got Robert Spillane that's going to come in. You've seen him do a thing or two. Not a hard guy to target in the passing game. Um, you can set up play action off of that. You can set up bootlegs. They're at a tremendous disadvantage in the middle of the field again. And I don't think Cleveland has to do much except what they do well against a team like this. To me, it's no different than Tennessee. And we talked about that. It, it's not, you don't look at a team and say, well, their performance against seven other teams indicates that they're not good at stopping the run. Therefore, we need to run the ball. It's a matchups game. It means who you're playing against, not who they played against previously. In this case, just like with the Titans, it's the unfortunate thing for Pittsburgh in that what Pittsburgh can't do is what Tennessee wants to do. It's what Cleveland wants to do. Cleveland probably beats Green Bay last week if, well, one, not for four Baker Mayfield turnovers, but if they continue to run the ball uh, the way that they were throughout the entire game, they probably extend possessions, they keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, and they're able to win that game close. I, I think anybody who watched that can see that as hindsight as it is. I don't think they're going to make that mistake this time because Cleveland needs this game too. Keep that in mind. You're in Pittsburgh. You need to take the crowd out of it. it, it this game screams Nick Chubb. And I'll, I'll say this. If Kevin Stefanski does not hope to get Nick Chubb uh, going early and often in this game, I think he's grossly outthinking uh, what he's doing and, and who he's going against. I don't think Pittsburgh should be at all surprised with the idea that probably the best all-around running back in the NFL is going to get the ball a lot early in this game. They're going to try to just kind of power it away get up 14-3 with an, you know, an 11-minute time of possession advantage. And from there, you can just salt away at a team that can't score points. So putting all that together, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I think that this is it, – it, it's just as simple as what Tennessee's game plan was and would have worked if they didn't you know lose four plays in the game. They won every other one. I think it, it, if Pittsburgh's going to win, it's going to have to be something like that. And it's not because Cleveland is a dominant team. It's just simply because Cleveland can do – what Pittsburgh cannot, and Cleveland wants to do what Pittsburgh cannot. I think for the Steelers to win this game, and it's just like Green Bay won the game, it's the Baker factor. And if you're Kevin Stefanski, nope. you have to limit Baker Mayfield's throws. 
I mean, you just have to manage Baker Mayfield like he's an inexperienced, kind of that slash, kind of that in-between guy. Not inexperienced, but you've got to manage his throws. The more Baker throws it, the more apt he is to make mistakes. Because Baker, Baker is an aggressive player. Baker is a gunslinger, but doesn't have, in my opinion, gunslinger physical characteristics. Baker Mayfield is like a uh, a poor man's Kyler Murray. He wants to kind of play like Kyler Murray, but he doesn't throw the ball as well as Kyler Murray, and he doesn't run as well as Kyler Murray. So he's a poor man's Kyler Murray, but he's really aggressive. And so the more the Browns can take Baker Mayfield out of the equation, meaning running the ball or very defined short passing stuff where he's not challenging the middle of the field where he has to read it out, that's better for the Browns. And you said something very key in this game, Neil. It's the Steelers' offense that doesn't really threaten people. And it's ironic in this game is that the Steelers and Najee Davenport Excuse me, Najee Davenport. Wow, why did I say Najee Davenport? The Najee Harris. Wow, that was a wow. A I brought my Najee Davenport. Jeez, that's a um, throwback. Najee Harris ran the ball pretty well in the game. He ran it twenty six times for ninety one yards. I thought the Steelers did a good job of using duo in that game late in the fourth quarter to kind of salt away the clock in the fourth quarter and run the football pretty well. I thought Kendrick Green. And I thought the guards in the interior used double teams very effectively in that game and kind of ran it better than you normally see it. I'm not sure if that will continue. I think the Steelers will run it okay, but the Steelers don't have they don't generate explosive plays. They're yeah. not an explosive offense. That's it right there. Like, like you you can you can warm your way into the game. You know, you're gonna get about 11 possessions, 10 to 11 possessions. Against the Steelers, you can literally figure it out and not do much with about four of those possessions and feel like you are you got enough possessions to actually beat them. Like if you have a seven possession, six possessions, you feel like, okay, we can kick field goals on a couple of those, score a couple of touchdowns. We're pretty good this game because they're not going to get out in front of us and blow us out with a big lead. I think the other thing also is, you know, the Steelers have to pass protect well in this game and they have to turn over Baker Mayfield. This is a game that's a turnover game. Of course, you've got you've to hold up in the running game a little bit against Nick Chubb, but you have to get a lead. You have to help them hope they put the game in Baker Mayfield's hands and that you can turn Baker Mayfield over and get extra possessions. The Steelers need 12 to 14 possessions to score 25, 24 plus. They need extra possessions. They need to turn Baker Mayfield over to win this game. Now, let me jump into a point also on Twitter. This emotional motivation thing. And this is, and a lot of this was coming from, what are we calling it? Uh, the pre-Ben era and the post-Ben era? PB, PB? PB1, I call it PB2. the Steel Curtain era and the Ben era. Okay, the Ben era and the Steel Curtain era. So the Ben era fans, you know, the world starts and ends with Ben and no, no shame to you. The Steelers are going to be extra motivated to give win, give a win to Ben in his last probably home finale. So they can do him like Rudy and carry him off the field. Yay. Rah, rah, shish, boom, bah. Right. The steel curtain era is, well, if they can't tackle Nick Chubb, what does it matter? 
speak to this motivation point because because I, I think motivation that type of motivation is nonsense i think the cleveland browns if you want to go that route are equally motivated to give ben roethlisberger a loss in his own in his home finale as well what's your thought on this whole rah-rah shish the motivation factor from both sides does any outweigh the other because i think they nullify each other and they don't really matter I think it's something to point to at the conclusion of a game that has kind of a landslide feel to it. Um, I've often said that there was always something with those Steelers teams uh, in prime time at home. Um, you add in a different uniform and you add in a, a rival opponent and some type of ceremony that, that you know honored some faction of, of the Steel Curtain era it seemed like a Steelers team uh, that, that always came out more sharp, more focused uh, than they have you know, to that point in the season. And we can point to the fact that the Steelers haven't lost a Monday night game at home in a very long time. Um, I, I forget exactly what it is, but it, it's been a while since they've lost a home Monday night game. It, those types of things, I think, do give you a little bit of an advantage. Um as far as it being Ben's last home game versus his last actual game versus whether the opponent gives a toss or not, I, I, I don't think they have as much time to sit and talk about these things the way that we do. Players, yes. for the most part, are, are far less emotionally interested in the outcome than we are. It, it's money. I'm not going to say what player has told me that, but he said it flat out. I love playing football. I love playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I will never care for it on the level that Steelers fans do. And that's what makes fans fans. You know, it, it, that, that's it's understandable. He wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. It's just fans get into everything and they create their own kind of narrative of, of what's really happening. I think there absolutely is a sense of emotion. Um, they want to go out there and, and win for Ben. They, they want to do that. That is not going to make them better football players. Okay, that that's really the bottom line. They're playing against equally motivated people that are, are looking to provide two generations of wealth for their families. They want to keep their jobs. It, 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 there's plenty of motivation that's there that they're basically saying, I don't give a rip about Ben Roethlisberger. I want to play. I want to put out good film because then I'll keep a job. I'll get a, a contract extension. I'll get paid more. That's the motivation here. You know, I know that that's not fun. It's not romantic. It's not what people really want to hear about the savage ballet that is football. But the reality is they're young guys that are trying to do something with what they have, um, you know, from, from God given gifts, they're not looking to honor Ben Roethlisberger the way that we do. So in that you have to understand there's going to be a sense of emotion um, anyway. And the Steelers have won. I, I, somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think they've lost a Monday night game in several years now, a home Monday night game. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember them losing one at least in five years. Yeah, it's been quite a while since they have. Um, longer than that, even. Might might even go back further than that. Five years. It might be like 10, I think. The you know, only at thing worst. I would say, if they played the Patriots on Monday night at home, they lost. Right. But... I think that's probably the difference. <laughs> they, well, they only play primetime games at New England. You know that. They don't, they don't want... They don't want New England coming to Pittsburgh for primetime. That's no good. The, they don't want to interrupt <clears throat> with the mics. You can't interrupt. Nope. 
with the helmet, Mike. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's for yeah, fans. Ultimately, um, I, I do think there is a sense of emotion that comes into it. And I'm not trying to say that the players don't get, a, you know, a little bit maybe more excited for those kinds of games, but it doesn't make them better football players. It doesn't make them better coaches. They don't just all of a sudden click into place the way they would in a Disney movie. It, it's, it's an opponent on opponent game. Both guys on both sides get paid money. Coaches get paid money. They're they're trying to figure out how to beat their opponent, not win the Super Bowl in the regular season. It's not a, a, a global thing. It's a it's hat on hat. Your guy versus your guy, your guy versus you, <clears throat> their line versus your line. It, it's that's what the essence of competition is. And they're not doing that because they love Ben. They're not laying down because they hate Ben. They, they're they're trying to beat the other guy across from them because it keeps him in a job. It's you know I know that's not fun, but that's the way it is. Here's an interesting point, and thanks to Grayson Brown. Pick up the Grayson, longtime listener of the program. Yeah. Happy New Year to you, Grayson. Monday night record, 19 straight, 51 total. Um, also, Same. hopefully no one else, like Mike Medina, is having a problem with the stream. Hopefully it's just Mike's tablet because um, it's crashing his app on his TV. But hopefully, Mike, you get that straightened out. Uh, maybe what we're saying is so controversial, it's crashing your TV. I'm, Who I'm not even really ranting this time. Bang! Yes, exactly. We went out last speak. week when I freaked out. Oh yeah, it was lovely. You know, <laughs> was you lo- know come on, man. You know, I love to have you, you on the show for a minute. You know, I, I I love when you go off. But let me speak to your point about it, and, and let me just echo that. Um, you know, from the player that will never be named, uh, we talked about uh, the uh, I believe it was the uh, what, what's the the Sable show, the NFL Sable show. What is what's that called? The NFL show. Bunch of uh, and if, NFL films, NFL films, yeah, that's the company. and so you know, NFL films and RIP to John Madden, RIP to John Madden, a Goliath and a giant in football. You know, John Madden is so respected, even from a Steeler perspective. No Steeler fan gives shade to John Madden. So, RIP to John Madden, condolences to his family. Everybody that I know respects Madden and had a copy of John Madden football. I mean, you know, John Madden and Pat Summerall. I mean, watching those do those two guys do a game, and ironically, John Madden's last game that he called was a Pittsburgh Steelers game against the Arizona Cardinals. So the legendary Steelers, you know, game. the legendary John Madden. So speaking to that game, so NFL Films did a cut, you know, their cut ups of the game, and um, there was a clip where a player was was trying to get um, the rest of their team motivated, uh, rest of the Steelers team motivated to go you know, play really well and play really hard, trying to get his unit fired up. And I asked him, like, did you really do that, you know, before the critical drive in the fourth quarter? And he was like, absolutely not. That clip was from the first quarter. That was actually (laughs) from when we actually started the game. That was our first drive. And so I say that to say a lot of what you see, especially on the NFL films, is curated. And he also said to me that, we look, it's just play to play. Like you just make it's one play, yeah. then it's the next play. Like you don't have to it's like look, you don't have time to think about two snaps ago. It's just the play is called, you execute, you move to the next play. You're just in the moment. And when the game is over, the game is over. It's, that's it. He was just like, Look, this is just very matter of fact. This is a business. We go out, we have stuff that we gotta do. We try to do it to the best of our ability. Then we move on to the next opponent. So, but 
That's the beauty of being fans. We don't have to consume the game in the same way because we're not getting paid. We're not getting hit. So we can just romanticize it. And and, and actually, I love that it's romanticized. I mean, I mean, we don't have to be had that's that what level we're here of to practice. do. You know? yeah, that's what that, we're here to do. We don't have to have fun. that level of pragmatism. So, yeah, you know, with it being said, let's get down to predictions of this Cleveland game. What's your prediction, Neil? I, I don't. I don't know. This team is so hard to predict week to week. Um, I, I something in me says that that Pittsburgh is going to keep this close, but I really don't have any, you know, com. I don't have any good evidence to suggest why they would be able to do it. I think Cleveland should win. I just don't think Cleveland. Cleveland just won't get it done. That's just kind of who Cleveland is, and I've supported them. As far as this is going to be a good team, they've put good pieces together. I, I've been saying that for three years, and look at where they are now. Why? Why is Cincinnati leading the division right now? There's no reason that should have happened. Cleveland just can't get it done. They should have won the first time they played. Baker didn't play well; he was hurt, but it, it, it was enough for them. They should have been able to win that game, but they just didn't. And that's kind of them. They just don't. Um, that said, I think they're still going to win, but. Oh boy, betting against me, Ben on a big stage is give me a really score. hard to do. Give me a score. Oh, I you know what? I'm going to bet on the Magic this time, and I shouldn't. Please call me out for being wrong. I'm going to say Pittsburgh 27, Cleveland 23, and I think it's going to be a dramatic ending. You know what, Neil? Uh, I I agree with you. I I texted you yesterday and said. Uh, that the Steelers would lose to the Browns. But it's the Browns. And I'm going with, against my head, I'm going to go into straight fan mode because everything says to me that Nick Chubb should run for about 225 and average about 5.5 yards per carry. We just saw him do that last week, and they lost. Yes, that's my but point. Cleveland just doesn't. You know, they you have Baker Mayfield. That. They have Baker Mayfield, and so if they have Baker, you have a chance. Baker is going to pro- Baker's going to Vinny Testaverde it. Throw have about five or six throws that could go into the hands of someone else. If the Steelers catch those, Ben goes into. He dips his body into Lake Minnetonka and <laughs> he comes out arm fresh, re- <laughs> purified, purified, invigorated. <laughs> and um, I think Big Ben actually just lays it all out. And I think yeah, Big I, Ben is slanging it. I think we yeah, see no I think, huddle. I think Ben's just going to, yeah, I think Ben's just going to uh, say, you, Matt Canada. I'm I calling mean, this he, game. He's like, look, I think Ben is slanging it. Here's the thing. More than anything, so I think the Steelers win this game. I think they turn Baker Mayfield over multiple times. I think the Steelers win this game around 24-16. You know, as, as even if Ben goes off, they not score much more than 24 points. Yeah, I'm gonna go 20, left. you know, I'm gonna go 24-16. Steelers win. They carry Ben off because after he's been purified in Lake Minnetonka <laughs> and big up to Corey. For the great spelling of Lake Minnetonka. And I don't even think Corey right. looked that up on Google because he typed right. that fast. <laughs> he typed that fast. Yeah, NHS. Lake Minnetonka, baby. You know, the elbows <laughs> in Lake Minnetonka, baby. He's getting baptized. Here's my thing. I'm going to ask you this. What's the over-under 
on pass attempts this game for Ben Roethlisberger. I, I that's, think that's, that's the, the real I think thing. It's gonna be like fifty. I, I don't. I, you know what I see? I see something like the Colts game last year, where Ben must have gone into the locker room and gotten a couple shots or something. Whether that was you know shots or whether it was shots, he got something in that, that completely changed him as a player for that second half, and he came out gunning. I think he's gonna do the same type of thing. Not literally. I just mean that. He's not he's never left anything on the field his entire career. If you think he's doing it on Monday night against the Browns, uh, when the Browns have something to play for and the Steelers kind of have something to play for, I think you're mistaken. It, it's you know, it, Browns are three and a half point road favorites, which takes quite a bit to do anyway. But Ben is not going to stand for that, and he has no problem throwing what's left of his arm off uh, to, to win the game. He will. I just I feel like that's the kind of performance we're going to get from him in this game. Stop it, Felicia. Stop it, Felicia. That luck was with another podcast platform. That luck has not followed me to the new standard. I yeah, we just pick them to lose every game, and that's yeah, we just, yeah, <laughs> they usually I mean, do now. Yeah, I mean, hey, um, yeah, man. I think also Grayson brought up a good point. You know, there's a bunch of former players that are coming to see him for his final game. Hey, man. Yes, <laughs> 50 pass attempts. And Corey Hatcher said hmm. 50 pass attempts, half of them sideline bombs, hmm. the other half being screens. Three of them <laughs> sideline bombs, the rest of them screens. Okay. Let's, yes. They, no, yes. The, the, the key thing is uh, that that middle of the field that they've ignored. I think that's the stuff Ben is going to come in and say, you know what, Pat Frymouth, this is my last home game. You are going to get six. Be ready for it. I, I I think that's just in Ben's character. You know, we've watched every game he's played. We've known the guy for 20 years, essentially. This is the type of, of player that he is. It's the type of guy that he is. He'll never say it. He wants to be the guy known as winning. He's never going to talk about himself as an individual. He relishes that individual spotlight. And I don't mean that he's selfish or anything like that. I just mean he wants to be the hero. And that this is really... Oh, yeah. He knows oh, as yeah. well as we do. This team isn't going anywhere. This is his last chance to do that in front of his crowd. And that, that game is a lot tougher against Baltimore next week. You're not sure what you're going to get there. He's going to, you know, he's going to play as if this is his last game tonight. I, I mean that literally. He's going to give everything for it. If he has yeah. the opportunity to show things, he's going to show it. If he has anything left in his arm, he's going to put it out there. You're going to see them attack heavily. And I'm not sure that's going to be the game plan per se. It's going to be what Ben does, though. Yeah, this is Ben's personality is very much F your couch being uh, <laughs> the uh, the skit on Dave Chappelle when Rick James uh, used awesome. to wipe his, his his shoes off on Eddie Murphy's couch, the muddy shoes. <laughs> ben is very much a F your couch. I mean, that that's that and that and great players are like that. And he's slinging it, man. He is slinging it on Monday. Here's the only thing. Here's another prediction. Will you get it right? Because you predicted that there will be an interview of Ben to open the show, and there's going to be the big Ben one-on-one interview with uh, who does the Monday night games? Is it going to be with uh, – I don't know who the Monday night crew is. It won't be with um, Greasy 
No, Who would they do no. the one-on-one interview uh, with? You've got a thousand people. It's whoever Ben wants to do the interview with is who it's going to be. And yeah, be I think they'll do that. I, I no think it'd be interesting if he did the interview with John Elway. That would be neat if they did the interview with Elway, number seven, the original seven, and the Elways, you know, Elway and Ben. That would be great. But they're definitely going to do this tribute to Ben in the last. And they should. I think whatever Ben gets, whatever kudos that he gets <laughs> – and the flowers that he gets, he deserves them. I mean, he's given his body to the organization, and they've been highly successful. I mean, yeah, he got the two championships, and for that, you know, as you see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, Ben Wolves, his legend will last forever. But before we get out of here, I wasn't going to talk about Tomlin, but the one thing I'll say about Mike Tomlin and the fire Tomlin every week on Twitter, Tomlin is the guy in charge of the rebuild. Him and Cower are in charge of the rebuild. If you remove Cower and Tomlin from the equation, Steeler fan isn't can't handle seven, seven, and one. You remove Tomlin and Colbert from the equation of the rebuild, they're going three and fourteen next year. Also, let me give you one other thing. Listeners, when Tomlin says he wants a veteran quarterback, Steeler Nation goes. Oh, my God. Let me do an emoji or an image of Aaron Rodgers in a Steeler throwback jersey. So tired of seeing that. Veteran quarterback <laughs> simply means you've played in the National Football League. Veteran Mason quarterback Rudolph, equals Mason Rudolph. <laughs> his record is 5-4-1 and one as a starter. They went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck Rudolph. Yes, I combined the names. They went 8-8 eight eight with Duck Rudolph. <laughs> that was Rudolph. a mistake. It was not a mistake, but it wasn't. If Duck Rudolph can go eight and eight, they have no issue starting Mason Rudolph at all. They what 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 Tom was saying with that is we're not drafting a rookie to start. He has a veteran quarterback as much as I hate to say it, because there are a lot of things I would rather see them do. There is no scenario that exists that, that makes me think where we sit now, obviously barring injury, uh, Mason Rudolph is not starting week one next year. And he fits exactly what Tomlin said. I want a veteran quarterback. Anytime Mike Tomlin gives you specific detail in a press conference, there's a reason. Okay. He's not going to tell you it's Mason Rudolph, but he is going to say it's Mason Rudolph if you think about it. And that that's what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He's not going to tell you Mason Rudolph. He's going to wink, wink, tell you it's Mason Rudolph. So Somebody if you're just. Who- ironically waddles around quacks and has web feed <laughs> he's mason rudolph he's duck rudolph lance it's duck rudolph i mean that's who it's going to be he'll bring in somebody else to compete with mason rudolph for the starting position at some point because they only have i think they'll only have one quarterback on the roster and i think it'll be mason rudolph they only have one guy signed so you'll have a quarterback room with three guys and it'll just be guys they're and from my perspective, and they'll yeah. sign somebody. But you know, from my perspective, the if they're not going to compete really next year, who cares who's the bridge quarterback? You just it's bridge quarterback. Ben was the bridge quarterback this year. Mason Rudolph will be the bridge quarterback next yeah. year, and they might find another bridge quarterback. They might find a name somewhere, but you'll have bridge guys till you find the guy. But let me mm-hmm. get you before we get out of here. Give me your uh, national uh, semifinal picks. Uh, Alabama and uh, Cincinnati, because I know we're all football fans. I just want to get your perspective real quick. And Alabama, uh, excuse me, Michigan, uh, Georgia. Who's your picks? Uh, Alabama's going to roll. That that won't be 
that won't be competitive, in my opinion. When you give a team that is as loaded um, with high caliber talent, high caliber athleticism, that much time to prepare for a team that doesn't have that, it's not about the team. It's about the individuals. And the college level, that's really what it is. I, I think coaching at the college level is the most overrated area of coaching there is at the, 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 you know, the, the absolute top of it, Alabama, for example, um, not to take away what Nick Saban knows about football, which I'm sure he sat down and lost this morning more than I'll ever have by far and away, but you don't need a whole lot to coach the abundance of talent that they have on that team. You need to get them hungry. You need to get them focused. You need to keep them eligible. You get them out on the field. They're going to mow down. A, a, a lesser five conference school simply because they have dudes and the other team isn't going to have dudes. Uh, to me, that's a no brainer. Um, it, it's harder and harder for me to pick a, a big 10 team over anybody anymore. Um, I just, I can't, I can't bet on a Jim Harbaugh college team. <laughs> not anymore. He's not in Stanford. I don't want to pick him either. So I, I think we've got the rematch that uh, uh, most people expect to be coming. I'm going to go a little bit different. I, I think Bama kills Cincinnati, but I think it's a little bit closer. I think it's closer in the first half than they get steamrolled in the second half. I think Michigan pulls the upset. I, I'm going to give a, 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 a shot to my boy, John Davis, JD from Detroit. My guy, uh, he calls him new ball. Instead of Harbaugh, he's <laughs> new ball. He's new ball. There's a new khaki in town. The pleats will work. And somehow Michigan will win a dogfight against uh, Georgia and, and win a close game. My mind says, hell, I picked the Steelers to beat Cleveland because I just think Ben is going to get onto Lake Minnetonka and go into the, uh, <laughs> the rejuvenate himself, sort of like Wolverine, and all his injuries go away and he regenerates perfect health. So if I can pick the Steelers against Cleveland – I'm picking Michigan against Georgia. We get Michigan-Alabama in a national championship game. And Bryce Young, modern-day quarterback from California, absolutely destroys Michigan in a national championship that kid, game. That kid's good. That kid is good. Yeah, what do you think about him? You think he's a you think he's a um a high first-round draft pick, high first-round oh, draft yeah. pick when he comes Easily. out? Easily. Easily. No Top issues with three. his size? No, not anymore. Way yeah. too many smaller quarterbacks are having great careers. The, the physical talents that he has, you, you can't deny that. Um, you'd love him to be 6'5". The, the trend of everything, uh, football, uh, offensive football, is uh, out of the pocket. So you're you're sticking yourself inside of a box if you need your quarterback to be 6'5 to play in the pocket. Uh, they don't want him playing in the pocket. They want him on the move. Uh, he's a great athlete. He's got a great feel for the game. He's smart. He's a high-character kid. Zero reason he's not a top three draft pick in my mind. Yeah, and he's coming from a very good program. And I think uh, Mac Jones' success, you know, will only help him because Alabama, yep. for one position group over their history, has struggled, um, you know, since, um, you know, Joe Namath, you know, having a really good quarterback come out of their yep. program. Well, they didn't um, need so. him for the most part. I mean, it, it's it, Saban has changed up what he's trying to do to find these blue chip guys to come in and get the exposure. And I'm not, not to suggest that Mac Jones is some type of failure, but he's not at, at Bryce Young's level as far as, no, as his no. ability. But Mac no. Jones is a very good quarterback. He's always yeah. been a very good quarterback. The issue is he just doesn't have the ceiling because he he's about as good an athlete as I am. You know, he doesn't move. He, he's immobile in the pocket. He's clunky. Um, his feet are good enough 
But Mac Jones is is this sounds coded as hell. I apologize, but Mac Jones is very smart. Um, he delivers a, a catchable ball almost every situation. There's a lot of things you can do to coach Mac Jones up, but the fact that he doesn't have the ability uh, to kind of create his own chaos makes him the 15th pick and not a top five pick. He was without question the the second best quarterback of that draft, without question. He, he is years ahead of Kyle Wilson, to, to put it that way. <clears throat> um, Zach Wilson, sorry. I don't know why I keep calling him Kyle Wilson. Wasn't that the cornerback? Well, you called Maybe him that because uh, you called him that because in the combine he did an off-platform throw for seventy yards. Yeah, which is huge. The guy's got arm talent for days, but he's not a passer the way that Mac Jones is. Mac, it, it, Mac can can put it, Mac can put a football two hundred yards down the field up somebody's ass if he wanted to. He's that accurate. He has that much talent. He just doesn't have the explosive talent, and he can't move. So you lose that entire dimension of the game. You can't put him on the move. They never moved him out of the pocket at Alabama. So if you're drafting him, you have to draft him uh, with the, the bare minimum idea in mind that if you want him to roll out, you're going to have to teach him how to do it because he hasn't done it. That isn't necessarily what you want in a top five uh, quarterback. But if you're yeah. 15 and you have a great offensive coach and you have a great offensive scheme the way the Patriots do, he's going to fit in and do really well, as he has. He's a good quarterback already. Yeah, I agree with you. And before we get out of here, I think – you know, when you get a guy that's mobile, it just gives an offense and an offensive right. coordinator the ability that's, that's to, do, why. to do everything. Nothing yeah. is off the table. Even Kyler if they Murray's don't want, name came yeah. up. That's why Kyler yeah. Murray was a top yeah. pick. It's not because he was a great passer, because he's yeah. not. But he gives you a dimension that's impossible to, to plan for. It's really hard to stop a guy that can get out to the edge and move. If he can throw yeah. and run, that much, it's, it's that much harder. Yeah, his accuracy. That. That's why his he's accuracy number one. Is outstanding. So before we get out of here, I, uh, Neil said, uh, "Excuse me." Before we get out of here, Melvin said that Neil should get the interview on Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stump for that. Yeah. I'm gonna let the let the powers that be. <laughs> I didn't even um, think of that, Ben. Come on, man. You talked <laughs> hey. to me twice. <laughs> remember? <laughs> remember Back me? Hey, you talked to me <laughs> twice. Yes, yes. And by the way, you know, if you guys are feeling really nostalgic, go to uh, you know on Western Avenue. In the north side, go to Pepe's and get a Roethlisberger sandwich. Oh, you know, boy. the funny thing about uh, Pittsburgh is everybody talks about Permanis, but if you're from the north side, you eat Pepe's. You know, we grew up eating Pepe's on Western Avenue over near Shamrock. You would go get some fried mushrooms or something or, or some fried zucchini sticks from Shamrock and you'd grab a sandwich from Pepe's. Later, they came up with the Raffles Burger, which is about the most fattening sandwich in the absolute world. You'll Love get it. a heart attack halfway through it. So if you don't like someone, buy them a, uh, you know, get them an Iron City or get them a brew and uh, get them a Raffles Burger because they might pass out by the time they get to the corner when you're walking to Heinz Field. But with that, we're going to get out of here. And again, happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's to everybody. 2022 is coming in. Omicron is busting loose. So hopefully you are safe out there because, my goodness, 500,000 cases in a day. Man, be safe. Do what you need to do. Use your best discernment. <laughs> you know, do what you need to do. Oh, you remember Isaac C? That's why don't you take us <laughs> out. I've heard it a few times. You 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 take us out, Neil. In 2021, were you taking us out with the slogan? Thank you, 2021. 
Thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Thank you for listening in. And as always, tell a friend and subscribe. Nah, you didn't do it right. It's tune what? in. Tell tune a in. friend. Tell a friend and subscribe. And subscribe. It's like Big me smile. saying Harbinger. <laughs> Word right? of the year in 2020. Not <laughs> Har- Omicron. It's Harbinger. Harbinger. But anyway, so tune our new, in. Our new intro is Harbinger of Sorrow by Metallica. That's going to be our new intro song. <laughs> tune in. This tell a, a friend. Tune. And subscribe and fake smile. <laughs>